Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sometimes needing new tires can catch us by surprise. That's why tire power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tirepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Rugby Run on SCNZ. And a famous Irish victory, their first against the All Blacks in New Zealand, their fourth overall and fully deserved. Oh, absolutely. They were disciplined, they were brave, clinical, plenty of heart. This man, oh, their captain, was inspirational and thoroughly deserved their win tonight for the All Blacks, or they'll be bitterly disappointed. But I tell you what, they'll be celebrating back in Ireland in a few hours. It's just gone one o'clock here on SENZ. This is the Rugby Run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall. And uh, Marshy, I guess... What we saw last night from the All Blacks, um, I mean, it's, it's not an I guess, it, it is, it's, it's, it's quite concerning, isn't it? I mean, we saw a little bit in the first test, that first 20 minutes where the Irish uh, really dominated us, and then we found a way out of it, but no, there was, there was, there was no way out of it this week. No, well, well, good afternoon to you, Ricardo, good afternoon to all of you out there uh, tuning in for the Bunnies Trade Rugby Run, good to have you. Uh, alongside us for the next couple of hours. Um, I, I think, first of all, I'd probably like to say, what a counterpunch, mate. What a counterpunch from the Northern Hemisphere. Mm. They got pretty much their uh, slate wiped clean last week. And now, get this. So next weekend, we have the All Blacks in Ireland playing for a Test Series. We have Australia and England playing for a test for the Test Series. Um, we have Scotland and Argentina all set up as well, and Argentina and South Africa. Every single um, series is one all going into the third test. So, yeah, um, you know, I think probably off the back of what you're asking me about the All Blacks is, you know, the, the, the Southern Hemisphere dominance that was there last week, it's happening across the board. It's not mm. just happening to the All Blacks. I believe now that we have a Northern Hemisphere team that's number one ranked in the world, which is France. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, they really did flex their muscles and historic wins for not only Ireland, for Wales also. Um, and, yeah, it uh, really has, uh, I guess, wet the appetite for next weekend. But it's a bit concerning for not only the All Blacks, but for Southern, Her- 
Southern Hemisphere rugby. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot to a lot to look at and a lot to unpack. I mean, I think we all thought always thought that that England Aussie series would be close, but and I and I think most people thought the Irish series would be close as well. But I think everybody thought that the South Africans would just roll over Wales because the Welsh have yep. been pretty poor uh, up until this weekend, of course. Um, and I mean. The South Africans rolled out just about a completely different 15, didn't they, as well, in the second test from the first test. They're, they're definitely looking at... They're not so concerned about winning the series. They're looking at blooding players and looking at combinations and things ahead of a World Cup. Yeah, well, they they, they made 14 changes, which mm. is a hell of a lot, and, and still put out a very competitive side. But, you know, ultimately, you know, I'm down the pathway, and this is probably what hurt me the most last night, and I'm very... Um, how, how do I phrase this? I'm very passionate about uh, history being recreated um, to a, to a, you know in a negative way, and that's what happened. You know, South Africa, South Africa have got a very proud history of uh, not being beaten by Wales in South Africa, and equally so have the All Blacks over 100, mm. well, 115 years without losing a Test match to Ireland in this country. Uh, we're now staring down the barrel of possibly losing a test series. Uh, you know, all of that hard work over 115 years, all of that graft, all of that legacy that the jersey beholds um, in one foul swoop in Forsyth Bar Stadium in a, in, a, in a breath has been taken away. And that stings. You know, being a former All Black doesn't sit with me comfortably. Uh, you know, it's all very well to say, yeah, look, you know, from South Africa's perspective, 14 new players. Um, and you know, the, the, but but all former Springboks, I'm sure, mm. uh, are hurting as much as former All Blacks. That all of, all of their work and you know um, securing and, and enhancing the the history of the jersey uh, ha, has been let down. And um, you know that that's that's that strikes a chord. To be perfectly honest. There's a, a text we've had come through from Richard um, saying, I'm still disappointed with the All Blacks' uh, inability to change our tactics to combat opponents. It's been like this since the 2017 Lions Tour. Well, they certainly uh, showed signs last week of changing their pattern from phase play, uh, recognising that what they were doing previously, the rest of the world had caught up and gone past and innovated their game. And we were still hell-bent on saying that we could implement that particular game plan with the pod system uh, and beat teams. And we quite quickly found out that that is not the case. Mm. Uh, so I certainly feel that they were attacking different zones last week uh, outside that fourth defender. Um, and they were finding some space out there. Now, why they do that is because it helps negate line speed. Um, if you're hitting that, that, that sort of third runner in the pod flat and wide on their fourth defender uh, and then you can get quite quick ruck ball from there then it stops players with real outside and line speed cutting off your outside channel so that that was a theory in that but it did not work last night uh, they just couldn't get any flow any momentum at the breakdown back to the text message absolutely when you feel that out there on the field you need your key decision makers um, recognising that they've done their homework, that they're defending that better. Uh, you know, why they didn't go to some more inside balls, I don't know, um, because that equally uh, holds defenders uh, and, and they didn't even look to go uh, to that option and then they became very lateral. So, 
Yes, that that is also a concern that we are unable to adapt out there. You know, the, all, the, the one thing that they did was just roll it up their sleeves at one stage and just went direct and, and gritted their teeth. And, and that was just before half time. Uh, but the rest of it, yeah, we, we looked lost for ideas of how to break open that very resilient defence. Yeah, it's uh, it's a worry too, uh, and this would be interesting to get uh, uh, Jeff Wilson's take on this. He's going to join us uh, in a little while. But uh, the last seven test matches the All Blacks have played, they've beaten the second-string Welsh team, they've beaten the USA, and they won last week against Ireland. They've lost the other four. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. And, and I think probably, um, you know, that, 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 that is something that is massively concerning given the fact that the All Blacks do rely heavily on momentum. Mm. You know, they, they very much are a, a side like any side in the world that with good confidence, with knowing your rhythm, knowing your game plan uh, and key individuals playing well, uh, you know, it, it just means that you can go out there and even when you're having a slightly off day, you can win rugby games. And then the All Blacks have been very good like that in the past. And I can hand on heart, quite honestly, sit down and tell you now, there's many times in some of the very successful All Black teams that I played in uh, where we had very astute, very good decision makers, experienced players that I sat in a tra- changing room after the after a few games and thought, how the hell did we win that? <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, the opposition were better than us on the day, but for for want of a better way to put it, we we found we would always find a way somehow. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that wasn't wasn't anything um, bar a team that just kept believing. And even when you're having a day when things aren't quite going your well, the opposition are having a day out of the blue, you would still find a way to win. It seems at the moment that the All Blacks don't. You know, when they're, when they're facing a historic loss, for the first time in our history to Argentina, I'm sitting there watching that game in Newcastle saying, you just need to find a way to win this game. You do not want to be that team that has that enigma hanging over you. Just find a way. And uh, and they didn't. They couldn't find a way. And they, they couldn't grit their teeth. And they couldn't get back in the fight. And, you know, that, that, that stat that you've just read out shows that you know, the, the, their, their performance levels are, are off. But in the past, when their performance levels are off, they'd find a way to win. Well, they're not. Mm. Four losses out of seven tests. You know, that that's that's just unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to bring into question, doesn't it? The decision to stick with Ian Foster after last year's uh, end, of, end of Northern Tour. And what we saw up there, or what we didn't see? Oh, I think New Zealand rugby have made their bed, and they've, they've they've got a lie in it now. And you know that there was an opportunity to say, right, do do we completely wipe the floor and, and start again? And and that means quite significant changes. You know, if you're a new coach coming in, without shadow of a doubt, you bring in all the personnel and all of the ammunition that you need to formulate a formidable side that you are going to be able to operate with the people around you uh, to, to win test matches. And, you know, obviously the success of the past was very much at the forefront of some of the thinking. Uh, and so they decided to to stay with what they believed would be successful. So unfortunately, that's, that's, that's the way that, uh, that that decision was made. And I think now that, 
the, the players are aware of that. And, in you know, we have Ian Foster through to the Rugby World Cup with all of his support staff. Uh, they've got to somehow find a way to get more out of these players. I don't, I don't, I don't feel that Ian Foster doesn't care and I don't feel that he's a poor coach. I just feel that at the moment, the synergy between all of that coaching group, and there's a lot of coaches in there, mm. uh, is off. And, and because of that, uh, the players are suffering. We're seeing players go into that environment and not thrive, Ricardo. Yep. We're seeing players that are in form going into that all-black environment and they're just not playing as well. And, and you know, whether that's pattern, shape, uh, training week, I'm not sure, but all the environment and the culture itself, but something is off and we need to get that right really, really, really quick because uh, what happened last night will continue to happen, I think, unless they, unless they rectify it. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to a couple of people uh, around this, um, including um, a guy who's, you know, reasonably well respected for his rugby views, a journo, and he said to me that, you know, the only person in in this country that thinks Ian Foster's the right man for the job is the guy that's running New Zealand rugby. He doesn't believe the players are on board, having talked to players. You know, he's a journo that's, that's interviewing these guys. He doesn't believe the players are invested in Foster. They're not convinced. Yeah, well, that, that would be concerning if that is you know, is factual. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to comment on, on what somebody else is seeing or mm. has heard. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they certainly they certainly appear on the exterior to be a, a reasonably happy camp when you see them bouncing around from week to week. And, um, you know, if you follow, follow any of them on social media or whatever it may be, they seem to be having quite a good balance and having a bit of fun as well, um, whilst probably training quite hard. But, Look, I can't put my finger on it, and it would be it would be wrong of me to try and point fingers when I, I don't know internally what's going on. Mm. All I can see, and that's very evident to not only me but all of our rugby public as well, is they are not a team that is in sync on the field. Now, I don't know whether that's because of the game plan on the field, or the game plan they're trying to play, or the fact that they culturally are unhappy. Whatever part of that is off, it's quite clearly affecting their performance on the field. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely something not quite right. Uh, we'll get more mm. thoughts on this uh, with uh, Jeff Wilson. He's going to join us shortly. Peter Alatini and Alan Quinlan also coming up on the show for you. Uh, but when we come back, it'll be Goldie with us here on the Rugby Run. In today's Voltaren Rapid 25 wrap-up. France is set to become the new world number one in rugby following Wales' last gasp win over the South Africans. Gareth Anscombe kicked a brilliant 79th minute touchline conversion after Josh Adams scored the game's only try as Wayne Pivak's side claimed their first ever win in the Republic. Earlier in the weekend, Six Nations champions France came, uh, scored a late try to edge Japan 20-15 to in an emotional rugby test in Tokyo on Saturday afternoon, the day after the country was shocked by the assassination of their former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. For the All Blacks, they are set to drop to fourth in the rankings, their lowest position since the World Rugby Rankings began in 2003. Ireland move into second following their first win in New Zealand, with South Africa third ahead of the All Blacks. England's second test win over Australia will see them leapfrog the Wallabies to fifth. Meanwhile, Scotland scored four tries as they level their three-match test series with Argentina with a dominant 29-6 victory in Salta. 
Don't let back pain get in the way. Get fast relief with Voltar and Rapid 25. Read the label user directed. If symptoms persist, see your doctor. Incorrect use may be harmful. Do not use if you have stomach ulcers. GSK Auckland. It's 20 past one here on the Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. And joining us now is uh, Jeff Wilson. G'day, Goldie. How you doing? G'day, Ricardo. G'day, Marshy. Um, mate, uh, sorry, I, was, I wasn't sure if Marshy was going to chip in there about, or not, but that's all right, it's all right. I uh, didn't want to leave you hanging, Goldie. Uh, last night, uh, poor, poor from the All Blacks, and, uh, you, you know, Marshy and I were talking earlier, it's got to be a worry, uh, the recent record of this All Blacks team, you know, the loss to Ireland, beat Ireland, lost to France, lost to Ireland. I mean, those are our last four test results, um, and just not good enough at the moment. Uh, what did you make of what you saw last night in Dunedin? Look, I'm sure you guys have talked about it. It was an unusual test match and, and one that, that dragged on for a number of reasons. And it was certainly... it's The post-mortems will be long for the next few days, not just for us, not for the um, the media, the, the fans, but for the coaching staff, the players. Very quickly, I'll have to work out what it was that contributed to them not performing at a level that you would expect them to perform at um, on the back of... Uh, I suppose the performance in Auckland that suggested we were heading in the right direction. Um, you know, like you, you can look at individual performances. Clearly, the cards had an influence on the game and impacted the ability of the All Blacks to to finish the game strong enough to go on and and, and try and win. But in the end, Ireland just showed exactly what we knew they were: just a really, really good rugby team that, in really key positions, are strong. They're well coached. They're well prepared. Um, and the signs were sort of there at Eden Park that they were really dangerous. And they just showed that if you're not on top of your game, both mentally and physically, um, you're going to struggle to beat them. Gold, is it concerning, though? Look, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, the cards are never going to be helpful. But the cards were the consequence of pressure. You know, you look at Tonga Fassi's card, line break, a possible try on the inside. Um, equally, you know, uh, Val was scrambling because Ireland, again, we're looking at a line break with a nice little uh, inside cut. You know, 20 minutes into that game, the All Blacks were still, they're getting absolutely dominated and they still had 15 players on the field. So, you know, what, why are we struggling to not compete with a team with ball in hand? Why are we, why, why are we in superior? That's, that's a great question, Rashi, and that's the one I think we're, we're all asking ourselves, given the fact we know the level of talent we believe we have in this group. But I think what we're finding out very, very quickly, as a group, the All Black group in particular, and for these new players, that exactly how difficult Test Match Rugby is to perform on a consistent basis every single week. And you have to prepare and play and, and, and put yourself in the right frame of mind to go out and deliver. And once again, and even we saw it, the signs in Auckland, is that you know Ireland were the better team for the first 20 minutes in Auckland, and they were the best uh, best on the field for the first 20 in Dunedin. And that, to me, is where that dominance is coming from. And that dominance early is giving them great confidence and belief. And we're the team that is scrambling, and you know that they're finding ways to put us under pressure. And and if you think about last night, and there's a couple of key areas for me. One we had a really good night at the opposite scrum time. Um, but our discipline ended up letting us down last night, I believe, and put us under pressure at one of the, the critical parts of the game. And they used that really wisely. And the other one was 
We were not good at handling the ball in the air. We just did not secure position when they were prepared to put the ball up. We kicked long, they'd kick high, we'd make an error or mistake, they would get the ball back. And so every time, once again, you talk about pressure, we were on the back foot. And at no point did it, like you're saying, is that whether it was them chasing their own kicks or us carrying into contact, we just got dominated. They controlled position in the key parts of the field. And But I think, one, to me, a lot of it seemed as though it was about attitude. I hate to say it, but maybe they just wanted and needed this one more. What about leadership? What about leadership? So you take Sam Whitelock out of the mix and the line-out looked inefficient. It lost its tempo uh, and, and it wasn't anywhere near as functional uh, as it should be without him there. And also the game plan that they had successfully uh, managed to sort of negotiate their way through and with the innovations that they brought in at Eden Park was not working in Dunedin. What, why are they not... Cha- where is the leadership in saying, hey, this is not working, we've got to go to this? Because is that something that's a concern? We don't have those leaders out there? I know it's a young back line. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I do agree that, that you, there has to be question marks about... I think the, 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 the frame of mind the team was going in to this game, you know, uh, it just seemed to me, and, you know, that they just weren't on, they weren't on song. They weren't focused on exactly how they were going to go out and play and put this opposition team under pressure. And that's where you have to ask, you know, where, where are those hard conversations going to come from this week? And I know that those senior players will be bitterly disappointed. I think it's the other players understanding, you know, that at the moment, if you were to look across the world and you and you started to compare the talent and ability of our players, there's not the margins for error are so so small, and the differences between I mean if you if you were right to write down the best players in the world in their positions right now, how many of them would be All Blacks? You know that's how the rest of the world has caught up, and you can't just get by with talent um, on a week on every game. Like we got by with a bit of it in Auckland, right? Well, we, we scored some remarkable tries through unbelievable carries from Artie Savia. Look, by the way, losing him last night was critical. He has been one of the All Blacks' best in the last 18 months. And you talk about leadership. He's a guy captain the All Blacks last year. But if you sit there and go, you know, last, last week we got Sever Ritz on 70 metres. Bowden Barrett puts a grubber through into space. Those are individual plays. Um, to me, I think it's, it, it's, it, it's the collective that, that needs to come together and I'll be fascinated to see what they do um, in terms of selection, Marshy, uh, Ricardo, this week, mm. um, because clearly now more players will be available for selection. And do you introduce David Harvey into the mix? Um, does Will Jordan start? Um, clearly they'd like to see Sam Whitelock back because he's a critical part of, of so many areas that you need to be effective of against Ireland. Blindside, where do they go with that? You know, that was a... Was that a pressure release for Ian Foster with the, the bangs drumming for Papa Lee to get an opportunity because it was a very unusual back row to pick, which also has an effect on the line-out. But equally, w- weren't we asking not to be in this position where we come to a series decider and the All Blacks are still tinkering with their team? Because there's a likely change possibly at centre as well with Jack Goodhue coming back into the mix. You know, where does jo- Will Jordan fit into the equation? Is it at fullback? 
and then that leaves us without a goal kicker. So, you know, we, we I, I think quite clearly the All Blacks never wanted to be in this position, did they? Mm. No, no, you, you, you're bang on, Marty. That, that they, you know, they were, but, you, but I don't think they could anticipate losing both Sam Whitelock and Tupovai before the second test match. And then having, and their choice, their preference wasn't to move Scott Barrett into the middle row. Um, look, I think the hard thing to judge some of these guys on in, in terms of the way that they played is that, you know, um, Dalton was, they were only playing with seven forwards for a huge part of this game. And so, it, and then you were forced, Offa Tawanga Fassi was forced to play the whole second half once uh, Angus Tatavau had been sent off. And so the workload on the group, there was no doubt we got a bit of impact from Samasoni Tokiaho, but for poor um, um, Aidan Ross, this was a nightmare scenario coming into his, you know, uh, his first test match. Off on uncontested scrum, um, playing with seven men, and then us, you know, what if we lost Retallick for, what, 10, 12 minutes with a heat concussion? I mean, all those things, I think, contributed. But we showed some real character that 10 minutes before halftime, they gave themselves a chance. The 10 minutes mm. after halftime, you got a sense they were just drifted away. And the, the six jersey, you know, I think they're hoping Sam Whitelock's good to go. They'll move Scott Barrett back to the blind side because they'll be able to be strong in the areas they need to be strong. But first and foremost for me is what do they get up front? Because um, Offutuanga Fasi did not have his best game. Um at tighthead, and that's critical. I just think you see the difference that we can make in, in terms of having a, a yeah. scrum and a platform, which is going really well. Jeff, what about the management of the game uh, and the fact that, you know, in the coach's box, they didn't know the laws around, you know, when we had players carded and what was going on with the scrum. I mean, surely those are basic things that a coaching group has to have nailed down. There's got to be some big question marks over that coaching group. Um, I don't think any of us knew because this I've I've never encountered this before. Like I did, I didn't know this. I didn't when when you when the situation happens where a props in the bin and then the, his replacement gets red carded. I I myself didn't know what and who it was that should have stayed and and gone uh, or should have stayed on and who's gone off. The interesting part for me is that we were allowed to run all the players back on. I think that was the surprising part to me. And all of a sudden we had fifteen and. The fact that it hadn't been worked out on the sideline before that happened is probably the surprising part for me because we clearly knew we couldn't run everyone back on. And my understanding is that it it should have been Dalton Popper Lee as the player who should have remained off the field because it was his replacement or his forced substitution that got red carded. And so I'm looking to get confirmation, but that is the feedback I've had from um, those up on high in regards to refereeing. So... I, I, I don't know, Marsh. You and I didn't know, did we? Like I, no. It, yeah, and, and I think I don't. I can't really deeply criticise on that for, for that, Ricardo. Like that was the most unusual of situations. And you know, I think everyone, everyone in the crowd didn't know. Coaches that look, I mean, clearly, even the referees around the field didn't know, right? Because they got it wrong. So I think, bottom line, this is just a, one of those rare occurrences where now everyone knows is going to know exactly what the process is going to be. Well, just finally, mate, considering you're on a bit of a roll with your bet- betting at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Stop be- it. Stop <laughs> it. Hold on. <laughs> you fired will your you shot be, before uh, the game. 
Yeah, you did. Yeah. Will you will you be betting your house on the fact that the All Blacks will win All Blacks will win the series in Wellington this weekend? <laughs> no, I'm not betting my house. I can tell you that for a fact. I can mm. tell you that for a fact. They're a really, really good rugby team. And yeah. at the moment, they've worked out how to put us under pressure. And we're going to have to, I think, we'll have to be better than we were in Auckland. And we'll have to be much, much better than we were in Dunedin. And that's the challenge on this group. And, you know, um, and it's a collective group. It's the, the, coaching, the coaching team giving them the, the tools. Um, and then it's the players um, showing up 100% committed and ready to play with a desperation that, you know, for a lot of them, they may never have had to go to before. And we'll find out, um, you know, what this playing group, this group, not just individuals, this playing group is really all about. Good stuff, Jeff. Thanks for coming on, mate. We'll let you get back to the family, eh? Always a pleasure. Cheers, team. Cheers. Uh, Jeff Wilson there with us here on the Rugby Run. Keep your text coming through. Double eight, double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Uh, Peter Alatini coming up before two o'clock as well. And uh, we've got uh, a bunch of texts. We'll get to those after this. Yeah, 24 away from 2 o'clock here on SENZ. This is the Rugby Run. John has called in from the NACI. G'day, John. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Just just a question for Marishidea. Um, if going on last week's performance, the All Blacks, it was like individual tries last week. And this, this match was more of a team performance with the Irish and it showed up. Maybe that's what the All Blacks are lacking. Yeah, John, absolutely. Look, I, I certainly felt that in the test match at Eden Park, Ireland just looked more fluid. They looked very assured in their game plan. They know where their strengths lie and they play to them and they play to them really well. Like The, the first try that they constructed, I sat down and had a, a coffee with Andy Farrell on the morning of the game. And I said to him, that was such a good try. You wouldn't see too many better tries. I said, it didn't have any razzle-dazzle in it. So there was nothing spectacular, but it was just impressive by method. And every player knowing where he needed to be and being patient and knowing their roles. And the All Blacks, conversely, you know, they I think Jeff just mentioned it before. Yeah, they had a, a kick through, which was really well-timed. They had a... A, a bounce of the ball that landed in Seve Reese's lap. They didn't construct in the same way that Ireland did. And I think that's probably the biggest concern out there for many punters and, you know, obviously people that know the, the All Blacks and know the way that the All Blacks can play. They can be very ruthless and be, go, you know, 10, 15, 20 phases. It's not happening. In fact, we interviewed Bowden Barrett on Sky TV last night after the game. You know, fair play to him for fronting up. He didn't want to be there. <laughs> it was quite awkward, but anyway. Um, and he yeah. said, he said, he said, mate, I don't really think we've got above seven phases really in the game. And so he knows mm-hmm. it. We can oh. all see it. Why the hell can't they do it? Yeah. Well, maybe the opposition are yep. stepping up like Ireland. Yeah, so that applied pressure, really. And just a quick one, Marty. If Wayne Barnes would. That penalty try that wasn't given, would would Barons have given us? <laughs> well, many people in New Zealand would uh, say Barnsley would, no, no doubt about it. But no, I certainly yeah. feel that they got the right decision there. I think it was a yellow card. I don't think it was a penalty try. I think uh, right. Tuonga Fassi would have made the tackle. He just got his timing wrong. He would have been there to make it. So they were saying that's what yeah. the cover was. He's just got his mm. timing wrong. I don't think 
I think in the commentary they were sort of saying about Geordie Barrett wouldn't have got there, but Tonga Fussy would have always tackled um, the inside yeah. player, but he just got he just got him early. That was all, uh, and I don't think Johnny Sexton um, had seen that support player anyway. So yeah, I think definitely yellow card because it was a foul, but. I don't think it would have eventuated that break in a try anyway. So I thought they got it right. Yeah, Good stuff, John. Cool. Thanks for your call. Oh, good. Cheers. Okay, buddy. You're on the rugby run here on SENZ. It is uh, 20 away from 2 o'clock. Graham from Christchurch, how are you, bud? Oh, good. How are you, Ricardo? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. You got a question for Marshy? Yeah, good. How are you, Justin? G'day, Graham. Good, thanks. Yeah, good talking to you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> just, um, yeah, no, disappointing result. I mean, for the All Blacks, but, yeah, yeah, I thought Ireland were absolutely um, brilliant. Um, yeah, well, brilliant in the sense that they, like you and Jeff Wilson just discussed, um, constructed their play better. You know, last week, as John, the previous caller, said, um, you know, that uh, it was a lot of individual tries, but that that's rugby, and the All, the all Blacks still have a lot of flair, but, you know, the Irish, um, yeah, I just, yeah, Artie Severe, I felt, you know, that whole kerfuffle with him, I felt very sorry for him, because obviously he's, you know, I'm in great form again this year. Um, you know, and that's a ridiculous situation. But yeah, so, something like something has to be sorted out there. But aside from that, you know, we we were beaten by the better team. But I, yeah, the question really, I think I think they do have to make quite a few changes for next week, um, as you've already discussed. And they can't really. Well, I I, I think they will. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think they. They stuck with the team that won last week, by and large. You know, obviously, we missed Sam Whitelock hugely. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to see, um, yeah, like Richie Mwanga giving a go at first five, to be honest. Um, uh, I think he is a player that's a better starter than coming off the bench and vis-a-vis the other way around with Bowden. But, yeah, I think Richie deserves a go and a number of the other backs too. Um, yeah, I just... Yeah, I just think that they they need to yeah give those guys a chance now after what happened last night. Just what do you think, Justin? Yeah, well, unfortunately, we we're kind of backed into the situation, Graham, aren't we? Where uh, you know there's got to be a change up in terms of what we're offering the Irish defensively because you know at the moment um, what we're giving them on attack defensively they're handling no problem whatsoever and probably different personnel, you know, somebody that straightens the line really well and creates space on the outside like Jack Goodhue uh, in particular uh, could be an option for them. Um, you know, obviously Will Jordan's going to come have to come into the mix somewhere. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, probably something we haven't really talked about, we, we lost the breakdowns again last night quite conclusively. Uh, yeah. We got our act together definitely at Eden Park. Uh, and, and made a significant change after about 20, 25 minutes and started to counter-ruck and do better. But we went clearly backwards, and that, that, that was probably because we didn't get the balance right in the back row, you know. And um, So they're going to have to look at that because you can't go out there against a side like Ireland who are so good with ball in hand uh, and give them that much ball without making it difficult for them to get it at the breakdown, disrupting yeah, it, yeah. slowing it down. Yeah, so... We're going to have to consider that. Unfortunately, as I said you know, earlier in the show, that we didn't want to be in this position because we're facing a team with massive rhythm, with selection consistency. You know, bar injury, they'll be putting the same side out. They know their yeah. game plan well. So when we bring new players into the mix, we'll have that little bit of tedious time where they get, they find their rhythm and, get, and start to gel. And man, yep. in a series decider, I don't really think we wanted to be 
uh, having to tinker with the team. Yeah, indeed. All right, Graham. Hey, thanks very much for your call, mate. Uh, no, good man. You have a good, great, great afternoon. Yeah, we'll yep. do, mate. We'll do. Peter Alatini is going to join us. He is up next. We'll get his thoughts on that midfield. This is SENZ 13 away from 2 o'clock. Peter Alatini, former All Black midfielder, joins us. Uh, g'day, Peter. How are you doing? G'day, Ricardo. Good afternoon, man. Yeah, good, thank you. It's a story, mate. Hey, uh, last night, obviously, um, you know, we watched the, the first test together. Last night, though, uh, All Blacks seemed to go backwards. What do you think the game plan was out there? What were they trying to achieve, do you think? Well, I think, well, again, they, they, they actually got denied in what they were trying to do. I think the best... But I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled around what is their game plan, to be honest, Ricardo. I think um, where they're trying to play uh, in the midfield, again, still trying to persist and smashing it up in the midfield and, and knowing full well the defence of what Ireland was giving out, um, it just didn't come off. And, and Ireland's pressure on defence was, was outstanding and, and really proved and the many mistakes that were made by the All Blacks uh, last night. What did you, uh, I mean, you know, we had Quintu Pia, Rico Iwani in the midfield again uh, last night. Uh, I mean, how much was on them, do you think? And do you think that the, the All Blacks will change that for the third test, that midfield combo? I, I think so. I think we have to do something different in that midfield, to be honest, um, Ricardo. I think it's just uh, the pressure that, that, that the Irish are putting on. But I'm just thinking even with our... Our strike play. Looking looking at at our set piece strikes, I don't think there was one that was really clean in the way we performed it. So we were really our execution was quite poor, and, and a couple of times uh, they were off two players' hands, where it was um, a short ball as such or, or backdoor ball. Both times just just went to ground, and so yeah, I'm, I'm probably looking for something something different um, leading into Wellington. Ala, does it concern you that? We can't seem to adjust to what's happening out on the field in terms of, you know, they were painting quite a clear picture. They'd obviously done their homework from the first Test Island, so they're very well coached and drilled and their experienced players obviously know the game well. They were cutting off that uh, width pass and attacking that fourth defender and ultimately forcing the All Blacks into kicking in that first 20 minutes of the game because we couldn't get any flow. So what, why are we not adjusting and going, hey, that's not working? We know we need to get the ball in hand um, to try and beat this side, but we're not finding a way to do that. I agree, I agree, Mushy. I've been pretty concerned since since last year in that space where they, they've managed to cut us off out, out wide, knowing how how dangerous mm. we are, and we we just haven't. I don't know. We, we I think we need something different in the midfield, and and I'm maybe maybe it's just because I'm a fan of of uh, good quick feet in the middle that that could break mm. it, and and and. Um, and, and we saw that, you know, the funny thing is we were seeing that from Ireland and, and the way they were playing when we were trying to come out straight. They were getting the weak shoulder every time to be able to promote a short ball and, and play off right up the line. And we've been, haven't, we haven't been able to do that at all against this group. And even, even like our backdoor pass, I think we, we're just not playing at the line like they are uh, against us, you know. So, so there's got to be... I think that the real concern is being able to kind of getting some some good ball out to, and probably early out to um, out to Rico and into that channel there and play around that channel rather than inside where where they've been predominantly strong every time. What about the kicking game? The the kicking strategy, like England, um, I mean Ireland, I should say, have they've proven to be very efficient in the air. Their wingers are all very capable. Uh, James Lowe's excellent in the air. Uh, so is Keenan, the fullback. 
you know, are, are we needing to... I was having a chat to Anton Leonard Brown last night. He was with us with Sky. And he was saying, well, they're, they're winning that battle. Why, why maybe we should think about <laughs> kicking longer inside the 22 and trying to get the ball on the ground? Because we seem really persistent in the same type of kick all the time. I agree. And you know, Marcia, the, the, the couple of times we've variated our little kicks, um, like the little grubbers behind, you know, one, mm. one we got to try from Tupaya, the other one we put Precious Scott Barrett, chased it and, and knocked it on eventually. But those were the ones that were actually making the difference rather than, than the high ball. As you guys said, the Irish have, have got that uh, clear cut as such. So, yeah, well, look, I've, I've, I agree where we haven't got that extra option for those little kicks at times too. So, um, to break down that, 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 that line. We, we actually have to kind of, uh, at times too, we, we've got to keep it in to, to really thrust it quite flat across. And, and I, I still reckon that channels around Rico is, is where we've got to attack from. The ball into his hands and, and work variations around there rather than more in close. Uh, would, you, would, you keep, would you keep Rico at centre? Do you think... We could look well, at perhaps going back to that Crusaders or even Jackson. Roger Tuivasa-Shek at 12, Goodhue back into centre and shift Rico to the wing. Is that something you think they will consider or do you think they're hell-bent that he is now a centre? If he doesn't start at centre, he doesn't start. Well, that's what I'm thinking now. Um, to be, The way they're persisting, if I was, if I was looking at what, how they're selecting, they're thinking that Rico is their centre. Mm. And that they'll, um, and then any changes will probably be inside. But um, yeah. and just looking at the flow yesterday, though, you know, in, in the last couple of tests, we do still lack that that genuine speed out out wide. And we yeah. know that our genuine speed is is, is um, Rico, and we probably need a bit more ball play and, and, and accuracy in, in the midfield. Like I said, that that variance of of maybe a RTS and and Goodhue one solid and be able to distribute with the other with quick feet that may be able to get us over the line to get that quick uh, tempo ball that, that we play best off and, and what they've been doing to us. Yeah, I mean, in terms of attacks, as you talked about, you know, the All Blacks seeming to, you know, uh, try and bash through the through the middle using using the 12-13. What would you like to see them try and do uh, to get around this Irish defence if that's not working? Well, I think there's... I just think... I think our... Um, We've got to be sharp in there with our lineups. I think we just, I think our ball is slow off off our set pieces. We're not getting it fast enough to get it in the hands early enough into the areas that, that we want to attack. So, like I said before, I think around around that that centre around the Rico area, playing some variations off there. So, maybe getting to, uh, to the centre's hands early, and and running some some plays kind of kind of uh, away from that attack and, and forcing the contact probably a little wider. And, and then kind of trying to break up that solid goods because when we're playing quite close, the defence is quite connected early and, and when we don't get the uh, over the gain line, then they get the line speed nice and put pressure and we've seen that in the last couple of tests, even last week, even though we won convincingly, but in that first 20, 30, they were kind of on top of us by, by playing a game that usually we would play. Yeah, good stuff, Peter. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on on, on, a, on a Sunday afternoon, mate. Always good to uh, chat code with you. Go well, enjoy the rest of your Arvo. Thanks, gents. Have a good one, too. Yeah, will do, man. Peter Alatini there with us. His thoughts on that all-black midfield and uh, maybe uh, what the all-blacks need to do with it ahead of Wellington. Here's, here's something to stew on, Justin, between now and uh, when we come back. The last time the all-blacks won in Wellington, June 2018.
against France. Since then, we've drawn two and lost one at Wellington. It's kind of like the antithesis of Eden Park for the All Blacks, so not the place you want to be going and playing the test that you have to win to win a series. Didn't need that, Ricardo. I'm not going to sleep well tonight anyway. <laughs> we'll be back after two with the Rugby Run. This is the Rugby Run, just gone 2 o'clock on SCNZ. Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you. And Marshall, uh, plenty of texts coming through as well today. Um, and uh, this one I thought uh, Bear's uh, talking about. This is from Zane. He said, guys, while I don't believe Foster is the guy, I also don't think he's the real issue. The fact is we don't have the talent we have had during that golden run through 2011 to 2015 World Cups. During that period, we could confidently say over half of our team were the best in the world in their positions. I don't think you can say that about any of our current lineup, possibly Artie, but we don't even know what position he plays, so how's, how can we claim he's the best? Put simply, we haven't replaced Richie or Kano or Nonu or Conrad. Look at how many options we've tried in those key positions since they retired. Ah, so Zane, basically as I was listening to you read your way through that, Ricardo, I was going to say that I certainly feel that we still have players uh, that are world-class and, and would slot into other teams. You know, Aaron Smith, uh, Bowden Barrett, you mentioned Artie, uh, certainly sort of Brodie Retallick and Sam Whitelock. Um, you know, it's interesting they haven't tried Dane Coles mm. and given him an opportunity. Maybe that's an injury uh, concern for him because... He, he adds something completely different in the way that he plays the game. Uh, and, and I'm wondering whether or not we need that edge at the moment. But to answer Zane's question, um, what I was going to say was, but what we haven't done is found any consistency in our selection in some of the key areas of the game. And, and that was the centres uh, and, that, and, that, and then the loose forwards. And very good all-black teams in the past. Yes, they have good halves, um, but they have very good consistent selections in the centres. We can always put out world-class finishing wingers uh, and fullbacks. Uh, you know, we, we're just really blessed in that department in New Zealand. But they can't function unless you have a very good centre partnership and equally a very good loose trio that produces very good ball for those guys to thrive. Yeah. And we have been messing around with those selections for, yes, probably the last four years. It's interesting because, you know, the first thing I thought when I saw that all-black team named for the second test with Dalton at six and Artie at eight and Sam Kane at seven was conversations that we've had. We, you know, you've said the All Blacks have got to pick the best six, the best eight and the yep. best seven and not try and manufacture people to get them on the park into other positions. And that's exactly what we've seen happen. Yeah, and, and look, um, you know, when they selected this side, you know, obviously Ethan Blackadder and Cullen, oh, Cullen Grace missed out, Ethan Blackadder being injured, you know, they went for Peter Gus Sowakula, they went for Akiri Iwani, uh, who I saw walking into the ground last night with his bag, uh, and, and I'm thinking, well, if you're making those selections, you must have in your mind what your ideal back row is, mm. but it certainly doesn't look that way, you know, obviously Scott Barrett's gone there, that was, that was forced, but they didn't go to one of those players that they picked, they, they, they manufactured a lock into blindside and then they manufactured an, an open side to play blindside yeah so it's like well you know if, if we're going to go down the pathway of being consistent with our selection so that we get good synergy and we get a balanced back row working together then then pick those players 
you know, like I, I'd be very surprised if we don't, if they don't get an SOS out to get um, Cullen Grace into that side because, you know, like I feel that probably having him in the mix at number eight, you could then probably pay, um, you know, Artie at open side and then the guy that's under pressure is Sam Kane. Yeah. But, well, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you caught uh, what Peter Omani said on the field to Sam Kane last night. I didn't, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested, though. Yeah, uh, he said, and I, I will, uh, uh, I'll tidy this up for radio, but he said, you're just a uh, SHIT Richie McCaw. Who do you think you are? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I saw them, I did see them have a, an altercation. It was under the post, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And that's uh, that's what yeah. Armani was saying to him. But, but you know, they're, they're in, you know, that, that's, that's um, just world-class sledging, isn't it, really, yeah. to get under someone's skin. Um, because that's he's a seasoned pro, Omani. And I'll tell you what, he's the type of six we need. You know, you watch him play. And, and Funder Flair is an absolutely outstanding uh, rugby player. He, he got voted European Rugby Player of the Year last year. Uh, and, and you can see why. But he has helped and enabled to play the way he can because of basically the shit work that Amani does. Mm. He, he does that work, you know. And at the moment, our balance is off. And we need that type of player in our mix that is just niggly into everything and, you know, enables the other guys in that back row to function. That's Shannon Frizzell at the moment, isn't it? That's probably the closest we have. Yeah, well, yeah, and and obviously, you know, there's there's that equation as well, which they don't want to go to. Mm. Uh, So, you know, if they've got a carer there, You've you've got to get him out there and see whether or not that's that's. Good. But do you see him playing every Test match all the way through to the World Cup? If not, what the hell are they doing? So, yeah, look, um, it's a really interesting question from Zane, and um, you know, there are some there are some issues to resolve there. Yeah, another one that's come through here says Marshy nailed it. Form players going into the All Blacks environment and not thriving. In the past, it seemed you could throw any half-decent club player into the All Black environment and they would become world-class, but it doesn't appear to be the case anymore. No, and, and I, I clearly saw that last year, and that worried me. I had some concerns yeah. that, 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 you know, that, that uh, the middle of the year, you had guys like uh, Cody Taylor as, as one um, and, and a really good example who was pretty much not only the form hooker of Super Rugby, but, but very close to being the form forward. He was in scintillating form. He entered into that all-black environment and he functionally went backwards big time, as did Richie Moonga, um, who was getting starting spots at 10 at that stage. Uh, you know, quite a few of those players that went into that environment uh, ha- have not thrived and have not become better and, and have gone backwards in form. And you got to wonder... You know, like I said, whether that's the culture or whether that's the game plan, they're just not buying into the way that the game plan um, is enabling them to to obviously be, you know, at the top of their game. So there's something just slightly off there. And and you know, there's certainly guys that have gone into that environment. You know, like 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 Quinn Tupai, Rico was in great form at, in Super. Mm. Uh, you know, um, Lester Fying and Nuku to a degree is struggling to kind of get into the game like he did with the Crusaders and. You know, look, look, it's a different level. Better defence, more intensity. Uh, but certainly, yeah, there, there is something amiss there.
Can't yeah. put my finger on it. Yeah, something uh, not going uh, the way it should. This is another one that's uh, come through. There's no name attached to this, but I do like this text as well, Justin. I cannot think of one aspect of the AB's game that has progressed since the last Rugby World Cup. Justin's point about player performance regressing in the AB's environment is telling, as is the comment about the number of coaches now involved. We cannot expect to dominate physically at present, so we need creative game plans to leverage the assets we have. There is no evidence this coaching group can generate those game plans or get the best out of the players we have. A series lost to Ireland next weekend must generate change for the sake of the next Rugby World Cup. Well, I, I totally agree. And, and you know what? The, the, the part that really resonated with me in that text was mm. to get the best out of the players that are in that group. And at the moment, I don't think we are enabling those key individuals within that environment to be playing at their best. And, and for whatever reason, it's the, the game plan or what they're trying to do out there in the field is not getting them into the game to express themselves. And, you know, we, we very much like our players to be able to have the opportunity to play on instinct. Um, you know, look, I don't want to make this a, a, a Scott Robertson thing because he's, he's very much at the tip of everyone's tongue at the moment. But I have to use him as an example because... Of, of reinforcing what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make, which equally was just um, reinforcing that text message, is Razor pretty much took over from Todd Blackadder a team that was going backwards. He didn't make really a great deal of personnel changes, particularly in that first year. And bang, they won. Yep. He created an environment and a culture that the players loved being in and they wanted to go out there and play uh play not play for him but play the type of game and express themselves without suffering any repercussions or or whatever so whatever environment he created he changed the way that those and particularly those experienced players in that crusaders group he changed their their attitude just by giving them an environment where they could function and that's what environment we need for the all blacks yeah, couldn't yeah. couldn't agree with you more. Uh, there's another text that comes through actually from John saying, Ireland did to us exactly what Razor did to the Blues. Get him in there. We'll go out in the quarterfinals of the World Cup with this coaching group. It's from John in Auckland. Yeah, look, there's going to be a lot of questions this week uh, and about, you know, tactics. Uh, I certainly feel that the All Blacks feel that they are off. You know, talking to Bowden Barrett again last night, you know, he, he was very well aware that they are struggling. Uh, he didn't say it in so many words, but you could just read between the the the, uh, the lines that he, you know, the fact that he said it's not good enough, the fact that he said we are struggling to piece together, you know, more than five to seven phases. He's aware that they are struggling. So the coaches have to be aware of that. They have to be aware that their players are not functioning like they should out there because there's the message right there from, you know, World Rugby Player of the Year a couple of times, your key decision-maker, your key architect in your game plan. Like, look at the way Johnny Sexton is playing. What is he, 30 a lot? Yeah, um, exactly. And yeah. and he, he is just so in the game, and he is bringing players in. He's laying off passes. He's making line breaks. He's, you know, he's around on block plays, taking depth, or then he's flattening up and hitting runners. He's challenging the line. He, he, he is thriving in that game plan that Andy Farrell has created. Um, Bowden Barrett is not thriving in the game plan that the All Blacks are trying to get to at the moment. There's no way that it is 
bringing him into the game and all of his skills that he's got. Be controversial to say that in our last four tests, uh, the only one we've won is the one that Ian Foster wasn't part of the week leading up to. Is that controversial, Marshy? Marshy's hiding. Marshy's hiding his head. <laughs> Marshy doesn't want to know. Uh, it is 12 past two here on the uh, rugby run. Get to get your thoughts on that. Double eight, double three up next. So Alan Quinlan, a very happy Irishman, is going to join us. This is SENZ, 17 past two, the rugby run. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. And joining us now is former Irish back rower, Alan Quinlan. G'day, Alan. How you doing? I'm very good, lads. And yourself? Yeah, I'll bet you, yeah, you, you'd be top of the world at the moment, mate, after that result last night. I mean, we saw signs of that in the first 20 minutes of the first test. But uh, really, uh, the Irish put the All Blacks away quite convincingly last night, didn't they? Yeah, it did. I was I was a little bit surprised, Ricardo. Um, I thought that um, I genuinely thought that, and I spoke to Marshy before the game about this and last week. Um, I thought we'd improve, we'd be better. My fear was the All Blacks would be better, but um, I think Ireland started the game really well, and that gave them the confidence and self belief. And look, um, you know, our, our Ireland's biggest strength is their collective effort, and they're they're well coached, they're very well organised, they're they're fitness is of a very high standard um, but they made a lot of mistakes last week and they were punished I thought last night you know starting the game well again that self-confidence and belief and you know from the All Blacks point of view I think things just went bad for them their accuracy was poor their discipline um, I know there was a couple of talking points with the, the red card and maybe some refereeing decisions that went for Ireland this week uh, but I suppose Ireland put a lot of pressure on the All Blacks and, and they didn't cope with it and their accuracy was poor and they turned the ball over a lot as well. Yeah, Quinny, thanks for joining us, mate. It's an absolute um, pleasure to have you and a miracle that you're actually awake, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I imagine you didn't go to bed till late. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I had a few beers, Marshy, but um, not too bad. I, good um, man. I tried to watch the other games as well, and uh, but... Yeah, pretty tired today. Important to stay hydrated. Absolutely. Uh, hey, mate, we, we, we discussed, we don't, we certainly felt that what what the in terms of the, the the cards, they were all justified and they were they were very much a consequence of pressure. You know, Ireland were putting the All Blacks under massive pressure and when you're under that amount of pressure, you'll make errors and they, they and discipline errors and they did that. So we certainly felt that they were um, a part of the game that Ireland just inflicted on the All Blacks, that the All Blacks couldn't cope with what they were doing out there. Did you see a bit of a change in the way that Ireland played game plan-wise last night from Eden Park? Not, not a huge change, I think, uh, Marshy, because um, I think, look, in the last couple of seasons, we've had a bit of a roller coaster, some disappointments, obviously, at the World Cup, and but... A lot of these guys played under Joe Schmidt for four or five years. And, and in fairness, when I talk about the coaching, the accuracy around the breakdown, really good discipline, um, and and just a game plan that makes them really comfortable. I think we probably had a period 12, 14 months ago where there was question marks being asked about the the new Irish co- coaching set up, Andy Farrell, and the attack coach, Mike Cass. Um, 
Ireland were kicking the ball a lot and they weren't getting that continuity. But I think, you know, I remember Johnny Sexton saying it 12 months ago that they believed in what they were trying to do and with expanding the game a little bit and trying to get a little bit of width and little wraparound passes to try and get it out to the outside channels. And um, it was breaking down a lot probably 12 months ago, but November was brilliant for them. They had a really good Six Nations. I think um, they were obviously overpowered in Paris by just a very powerful French side. But um, even some of their attack in that game was, was, was absolutely fantastic. So we've seen signs of that expansion and that accuracy that I'm talking about. And, um, so I don't think they changed anything this week. I think they believed that probably they got a lot of self-belief and uh, from the second half last week. Now, there was an argument to say from, you know, when you're kind of trying to be impartial and sit in the middle, that, you know, maybe the game was over at half time because of the scoreline and maybe New Zealand kind of sat back a little bit. And there's always going to be a response when a team is chasing the game. But I just think what they got last week was um, a belief that, if they executed better, and we spoke a lot about you know them fixing mistakes and errors, and you know getting their set piece better, and um, and they did that this week. And I, I was at a couple of session training sessions just for at the start of the sessions. I didn't watch them all. We we're not allowed to do that, um, but I just noticed a little bit of that belief and a little bit of a spring in their step that they were confident that if they executed better. And look, when you play in Zealand, you've got to front up physically, and I think they. They certainly realised that at the start of the tour, but I think they just got a lot of things right last night. I do feel, and I'm not just patronising and saying this, I think they got the bounce of the ball at times. They got some luck. But you know yourself, Marshy, you kind of create that with your tempo and your energy. And I just thought Ireland's energy and tempo from the get-go was, was really high. And maybe New Zealand just expected that um, they it would work for them and it just didn't and it started they started to crumble a little bit and look we got a couple of breaks you know the cards um, New Zealand be down to 13 men but I spoke to you at half time and then you know New Zealand get that try just before half time and I'm pretty worried about that but mm-hmm. you, the the response just after half time is what I was really impressed with I think they 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 were very composed. It was 14 men against 14. James Ryan was in the bin, and Porter gets that second try. And I think that's the one. Ian Foster said it. That's the one that kind of gives them the energy to say, "Well, something special is happening here tonight." I certainly agree with you on the the, the physicality. I felt again that the Ireland was superior at the rucks. So that I wanted to ask you, you know, sort of your area of expertise, where you spent a lot of time in the. In the, in the dark arts of breakdowns, <laughs> that, that back row, mate, of of Ireland. Look, we, we probably haven't known a massive amount about Thunder Flair, but Doris and Omani, boy, they're functional, aren't they? It's a real, it's a real yeah. point of debate for us here with the All Blacks because the back row is inconsistent. They're picking players out well, of position. You, you're, like playing three three sevens. you're playing, you're playing yeah. three sevens, Marshy, aren't you? You know, you've got to... Yeah. Uh, look... Uh, for me, I, I think balance is the right thing. You know, as a halfback, having played for so long, if you got a bit of a mongrel as a six, a footballing eight, and a, mm. a bit of a fetcher in a seven, that's kind of traditionally what you want. Um, I think Papalihi, Ardi Savek, Sam Kane, incredible players, but they're all sevens, really. You know, I think Ardi Savek has converted over and done a brilliant job as an eight in, in many big games over the years, but. Um, given your player pool, I think it's an area maybe um, 
that maybe the All Blacks maybe have to look at, maybe not for next week <laughs> straight away, <laughs> looking ahead to the World Cup. You know, I don't know. I, I like. I just think O'Mahony. He gives you that mongrel. He's brilliant in the in the lineout. Um, he surprised a lot of people because he had a bit of a dip in form maybe a year ago, and he's had a real good year with Munster, who have kind of struggled and not hit the heights. Um, uh, Doris is a wonderful footballer. I think we've seen that from a very young age. He's, uh, he's athletic. He's really good at the breakdown. Wonderful carry. And you saw once or twice he makes carries into traffic. And he puts footwork on. He's not trying to run out over a player. You know, CJ Stander was there for a number of years and he was very effective for Ireland. But he helps that bit of attack. And then Van der Fleer, he was nominated for Six Nations Player of the Year. He got European Player of the Year. And, you know, I chatted with him during the week. He's, he's an incredibly impressive um, fellow. Yeah. Um, just a wonderful footballer. has improved his game so much and seems really comfortable. But... All all the compliments were given Ireland. I, I said it to people after last night. I wouldn't get too far ahead. I think next week could be a different story. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what does happen next week, Alan. I mean, one of the things we were talking to Pete Alatini, uh, former All Black midfielder, earlier on the show and asking about direction and game plan because it did seem at times directionless and it was kind of hard to see what the game plan from the All Blacks was. What, what did you make of what you saw from from the All Blacks last night in, in, that, in terms of a, of a game plan and what they were trying to do? It, it, I, I was I was a bit surprised when they were down to 14 men after they got back to 14. I um, was quite surprised because they obviously had to reduce their line-out to six-man line-outs. And I was pretty surprised that they continually tried to just maul um, six against seven, really, and... You know, they punched up midfield a lot and then were trying to come back blindside and they looked a little bit confused, but you can have all the game plans you want in the world, Ricardo, when, when you're when that tide and that momentum is not going with you, I think, um and things break down. And one of the things that maybe the ABs are not used to is is having to go into multi phase, to go up to ten, fifteen, twenty phases. Um <laughs> I think the Irish teams in the provinces are, in Ireland are, are very used to that and they're comfortable with that. Um, and, and that's an area maybe where they need to improve. Incredible X-factor players, incredible talent. Um, and look, as I said, a couple of things went wrong. Ardi Savia not being able to come back on, I think he was a huge loss. I was surprised that Borden Bard was taken off, even if Borden Barrett's having a quiet game or not doing well. He's still that ability to... To, to create something special but um, yeah things broke down for him you know when you're knocking the ball on and you're turning it over and look you've, we've got to give credit to Ireland for that you know low tackle focus uh, pressure on the ball trying to strip it out of the, the the All Blacks players hands and they did that a number of times and I just think an, a, a certain amount of panic set in and they probably tried to force things a little bit um, and it just had a feel of one of those nights that things were going wrong for New Zealand and Ireland were getting the rub of the green. But look, um, they created stuff and their pressure and the energy was really, really excellent. So um, I've got to give them massive credit. You know, I've I've clipped them before when they haven't been going well. And mm. uh, last week, I said it after the game, I thought I had a little bit of confidence that they would get better. But I was pretty surprised by the All Blacks' performance. But you can only play what, what you're allowed to do. But they lacked some little bit of 
and maybe they got a little bit complacent and it's an uh, it's uh, some young guys that come into the team I think Whitelock being a senior leader within the group was probably a loss um, but they've got to learn pretty quickly I think they can they're an incredible side and, and they can bounce back and um, but they were very inaccurate in what they were trying to do last night uh, Pretty you mentioned the fact that you Try to catch some of the other games. Pretty bloody impressive weekend for the Northern Hemisphere, mate. You absolutely wiped wiped the floor for the Southern Hemisphere. It must be it must be quite a good feeling to see that 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 the competitiveness of all the Northern Hemisphere teams mean that means that they are now competitive and winning rugby games regularly against the Southern Hemisphere, which bodes well for World Cup and the rankings. World rankings have massively changed as well. Yeah, it was good for them, obviously. Um, England responded, um, keeps the series alive, and Wales did as well. Um, Japan ran, ran France close, but uh, yeah, it's good. Obviously, it's good, Justin, but it counts for nothing if you go to a World Cup next year and you underperform, and that's the biggest criticism with this Irish team. It's never gone. I'd hate to be playing you now, uh, and uh, New Zealand beating, beating an Irish team, and me giving you a little bit of lift because you probably use that against me and say, uh, you've never been past the quarterfinal. Um, <laughs> but we haven't, you know. So we, Ireland were, were, were ranked number one in the world in 2018. And in fairness, they had an incredible year. Grand Slam, winning a Grand Slam in Twickenham, going to Australia, winning a series, um, beating the All Blacks that November, World Player of the Year, Johnny Sexton, Joe Schmidt, Coach of the Year, Ireland Team of the Year, and then it was an abysmal 2019. So we're very conscious of that. Maybe the the history of that will help the team. And um, I like the fact that, you know yourself, it's about self-belief. And it's incredible to think that Ireland has beaten um, New Zealand four times out of the last seven. Um, yeah. And that, you know, it does count for a lot for your self-belief and confidence because, you know, I've played in three tours in New Zealand and, one of the issues is um, that belief. Do you really believe that you can win and beat them? And uh, there's a number of these Irish players that have won four times against New Zealand. So they've shown that they have that metal. Um, and for Wales as well, they've had, they had a terrible Six Nations. So they've obviously won for the first time in South Africa, and that's incredible. Um, England, Eddie Jones has chopped and changed a lot, but he got a response from his team. So, yeah, it does. And, and look, sometimes the styles are different. Um, the weather is can be an issue um, and the style of play and that execution um, but um, it's certainly uh, yeah, a boost for Northern Hemisphere rugby but like I say the World Cup is where where Ireland really want to try and go past and past that quarter final but it's going to be incredibly difficult because if they come out of the group um, they either play New Zealand or, or, uh, or France in a quarter final and that's an if because Scotland may have We'll have something to say about that. Um, but, you know, they, you know, I looked at some of the players last night, just and I think, God, their CVs are, you know, you look at Paul O'Connell and Brian O'Driscoll, guys you played against who were stalwarts and kind of, you know, international, top quality international players played in British and Irish line stores, and they've never beaten New Zealand. So there's a, there's a number of Irish guys who've done it four times. It's incredible. We're, we're a little bit envious. Uh, but they deserve a lot of credit for that. Just finally, mate, um, you've been proved absolutely crap in the last two weeks of predicting because you, you <laughs> yeah. said you're going to get near 40-odd points put on you at Eden Park. Last night you said on live TV that the All Blacks were going, going to win, so good luck on that 
Irish tour bus that you're on for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> but um, yeah. what do you think is going to happen this anyway. weekend? Can, 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 can oh, just, Ireland beat a very vulnerable All Blacks? Well, they'll believe it, I think. Uh, but the reality is the momentum now and the, the narrative of the story is now that we're going to get a very, very angry backlash and uh, the man in the middle is going to be well scrutinised next week. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him, Wayne Barnes, um, with his decision-making. Um, we saw the Razzie Erasmus rants last year publicly. You know, mm-hmm. those kind of rants go on behind the scenes to the referees. And I think Ireland probably had a rant this week about some breakdown issues and maybe cleaning beyond the ball. And I, I, do, I do think, this is not a criticism, but I do think... Um, some things that happen in Super Rugby are more poli- are policed more in Northern Hemisphere Rugby, and you know, but the New Zealand players and coaches have to learn that. There's no point in saying afterwards, "Well, this is something we can do in in Super Rugby and and uh, testing the Rugby Championship." You've got to kind of adapt, and that's down to coaches and players to adapt. I'm not saying that it was it was very obvious, but you saw New Zealand penalised I think two or three times last night for just going beyond the ball. Um, that didn't probably get penalised last week so what will Ian Foster and his coaches go back and say what Ireland did wrong and what they're doing illegally because you know yourself each each team when you lose a game you can pick loads of points out and say well this should have been a penalty the other way or we got pinged wrong here so that's what's going to happen now with Wayne Barnes he's going to get it from both sides and um, but you know Andy Farrell mentioned last night in his presser afterwards that you know he wants to try and uh, keep the feet in the ground and get ready for next week and uh, you know I suppose you could take the kind of uh, the attitude of well we've done magnificently we've won a test in New Zealand soil um, pat ourselves in the back and be happy and you know if we lose next week it's still a great tour but I think these guys have that steel and that resilience um, to want to go and win a series so there's an opportunity for them but I look I do I'm not going to predict it until we see teams you can you can uh, you can put it to me next weekend before the test, but I I think um, <laughs> I'd be fearful about the reaction now, and I think there's a reaction, and sport is funny like that. But look, it's great that it's gone into the last weekend, and uh, let's see what happens. Alan, thanks very much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. I know we've got another game that we even haven't touched on yet to come before the uh, third test, of course, of the, that Māori game, uh, Māori All Black game on Wednesday night as well. I'm not sure how you're off for numbers and whether or not you've had the call. Uh, you might be might might be coming out of retirement for for, for a one-off um, for, for, for Wednesday, but we'll, we'll see. I have the boots. I might get a run out, yeah. I'd love it. <laughs> no, no chance. Uh, Tuesday night. Tuesday night in Wellington. So I think... And I love the fact that Sexton, that's the first thing he said last night. He said, oh, you know, looking ahead to the test, he was asked a question. And he said, no, we're looking ahead to Tuesday night. Mm. And that's the challenge for Ireland, trying to get a little bit of depth because a couple of injuries in the Irish team and they're a little bit, um, you know, lacking a little bit of depth in certain areas. So, um, anyway, it's been, uh, it was, last night was brilliant, but I think next week will certainly be a, a different scenario and it'll be interesting to see how they cope, how both sides cope. Yeah, it will be. Alan, thanks again for your time, mate. We'll let you go. Uh, We'll catch up with you soon. Enjoy the rest of your stay. My pleasure. Thank you.
Yes, Alan Quinlan there, former Irish back row with us. It is uh, 24 away from three here on the Rugby Run. Double eight double three is the text machine. Uh, feel free to send us a message or call us on 0800 150 811 if you've got any questions for Marcia or anything you want to get off your chest about last night. This is the Rugby Run on SENZ. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you through till three o'clock. And uh, Marshy, uh it's interesting conversations around the cards, obviously. Um, you know, the couple of yellows, I don't think you could argue those. The red, though, for me, I look at Ben O'Keefe and the way he refereed that Super Rugby final, and there were a couple of head clashes in that or, you know, um, head contacts in that that he looked at and went, look, you know, these are this, it's, a, it's a contact sport. You have accidental collisions. There are some accidental collisions. For me, you know, the one that saw Angus Tarbell get sent, that was accidental. I mean, they said there was no, uh, he, he because there was no mitigating circumstances because he hadn't lowered his body into the tackle. It's because he wasn't ready to tackle. Like, you know, if you look at where Ringrose was running and where Tarvel was, he was getting ready to launch himself at the side of Ringrose, but he wasn't quite there to do it yet. And then Ringrose changes direction and runs straight into him, you know, at, at a split second at pace. For me, that's just accidental contact. Um, I, don't, I don't think that should be a penalty, let alone a card. He was just taking the space, yeah, mm. absolutely, and he was doing it quickly because they, they, they were exposed there. So he was he was getting into that zone, uh, absolutely no doubt uh, that the that it was an accidental head clash. Uh, the problem is, again, you know, I've been banging this drum all year is the interpretation of the law, mm. and the interpretation of the law as it is written at the moment is, if you're the defending player, it's your responsibility to dip, uh, and and if you don't dip. Even though you've been caught out and uh, and you make head contact, you're the one at fault. Now that's not always necessarily the case, you know. Like I, I, again, I felt that last night. Um, what the hell is Lester Fying a Nuku supposed to do? Mm. Yeah, he got yellow carded for. He's in the air. It's, it's like Caleb Clark early in the in the year. It's like, well, can you guys not just say, look? We can see that he did nothing wrong. He was just bracing himself because he knew he was going to hit that player. The fact that he's collided with uh, Hanson's head, there's nowhere he could go once he's launched himself. So what they are not doing, though, and the interpretations in both of those cases are are allowing for for rugby um, accidental collisions. They are saying, as a defender, as it's written in the law book now, it's your responsibility to protect the ball carrier. Uh, so that's why, under the letter of the law, the referees are actually not wrong because if they don't rule it that way, they'll go to the governing um, referee's body and they they will say that you, that, that you have refereed that incorrectly and they'll get penalised for it. So mm. they're kind of stuck as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it certainly wasn't a crack at, at the referees. Just, uh, no. you know, it's, it's, it's more about... Yeah, it would be interesting to have, to have been a fly on the wall in the meeting after the Super Rugby final to hear what the you know the referees' bosses said to Ben O'Keefe about the way he refereed that because I thought that was really good refereeing. He was using common sense. Yeah, he was, and uh, I actually messaged Ben after that and, and and did say, you know, I felt that you guys all got it right and you actually took into account what the players were going through. And mm. I said, I actually said to him the message. I said, you know what was quite clear to me in that final was I said, you got no complaints from the players. Yeah, Nobody was in your face saying, you should be sending him off. It's not fair. The players completely understood. And, and there was no, there was no after, uh, after the, the, the fact, um, ill feeling. 
you know, or so it's like, yeah, you're on the same page as the players now. You're not in that different zone. Um, and ironically, he said, oh, well, we'll see how that goes because he was then getting on a plane to go to Dubai uh, for, ref- for a referee's um, a conference. And he said, so no doubt more might come out of it, but it doesn't seem like that's been the case. So, yeah, look, I, I certainly know that they are trying uh, under the Players Association being involved as well to look at how they can make this more clear and to take away um, a little bit of the confusion around head contact. So I think it's become relevant enough now that they are having to look at it as being slightly wrong at the moment, which is which is good news. Yeah, that is good news. A couple of uh, texts we've had come through here too, uh, Marshy. It says, uh, let's not take anything away from Ireland. They have improved significantly. The observation that the ABs haven't is in stark contrast. The ABs are fast developing a pattern of being slow starters in both halves and panicked finishes when under scoreboard pressure. Any talent advantage we once had is now absent against the top four or five teams in the world. Yes, it's good to have players that can play a heads-up game, but I'd like to see greater ability to play a structured pattern to create heads-up options rather than force something prematurely. How does our phase count compare to Ireland's? Hope to see the same structure and patience in our attack as the ABs uh, demonstrate in defence. Massive. That's a really good point. Uh, and, And a massive problem for the All Blacks is I'd love somebody to sit down in the last... 10 test matches and statistically show where the All Blacks are sitting in terms of uh, of position. Because yeah. I quite clearly can think of quite a few test matches, even ones that the All Blacks have won, where they haven't had as much ball as the opposition. Yeah, But they've, they've tackled unbelievably. But they are consistently having to make more tackles than the opposition. And so for some reason or another... We've gone. The All Blacks have gone away from what they were so very, very good at, you know, uh, in that period where they were winning two Rugby World Cups. Was they were incredibly patient. They were they were very very good with their ball retention, uh, and they were making other teams make easy, equally the same amount of tackles, if not more. And and you know, there's a fatigue factor that comes into that as well. Quite clearly, that is not happening. We're, we're, we've lost position, uh, rucks. Uh, phase play in the last two test matches against Ireland by quite a lot. Mm, yeah. uh, and my point is New Zealand rugby is at its strongest when we are playing with ball in hand, not kicking the ball away, not kicking the ball away to compete and get it back, all that sort of um, jargon. It's more ball in hand, attacking the opposition, making them tackle you for 20 phases, for 25 phases. That's not happening at the moment. No, it's not happening. Uh, this is another one that actually uh, another another piece uh, from that same text saying, on coaching, can we keep Schmidt's name on the conversation? Uh, it seems to have developed ability, confidence and belief in the Irish. Um, uh, wonder what he could do with the All Blacks. That's from Aidan in Dunedin. Well, he certainly had an involvement at Eden Park. Mm. I didn't see him around in this test match. So contractually, I don't know if he's able to be involved and he was he was brought in for the Eden Park test obviously with the COVID problems that the coaching group had. I, I couldn't be quite clear on that so it's, it's reasonably difficult for me to comment but I, I felt that some of the messaging coming out of the All Blacks camp uh, from players uh, in particular were very very positive about his influence by coming in. 
Uh, and so when players are actually going out of their way to say, hey, it was great to have his knowledge, great to have him in the, in the environment, uh, you know, that's got to be a positive, positive sign, doesn't it? So you think to yourself, okay, if he was missing this week, they won last week, really positive messaging, and then he's gone, and now they've lost. Mm, something here is quite common sense orientated, which is bloody get him back in there. Yeah, exactly. Get, <laughs> get him back in as part of the group. That's what we want to see. A uh, few other texts that have come through, mate. This one from Ken. Uh, the uh, Māori All Blacks team has been named, and um, he said that uh, Zahn Sullivan's not in the 23. Um, and so Ken said, why hasn't Zahn Sullivan been named? He was the best player a couple of weeks ago. Very interesting. I wonder if he's had a word from the All Black selectors. Well, look, there's certainly some merit in the fact that I feel the All Blacks have a bit of an influence on the Māori selection. Mm. Not entirely, because Clayton McMillan is, is, a, is the head coach, and obviously if they fail... He, he, he is the, the player, he is the coach that's accountable for that. So he won't want the All Blacks interfering too much. I don't think there's any rocket science in the fact that the All Blacks wanted to see Cullen Grace in the mix. All of a sudden he was on a plane <laughs> and then starting. So, yeah, look, uh, I'm certainly not sure about whether or not Zahn Sullivan would be in the mix. I definitely agree that he was very close to being the best player on the park for, for the Māori All Blacks in that last game. But, you know, certainly there was also... The possibility they're trying to create some depth. They won the first test, if you want to call it a test or the first game, and um, they might be just looking at other players to, to develop them because they know Zan Sullivan is very good mm-hmm. um, and they know what they can get out of him, but maybe not so out some of the others. Yeah, yeah, yeah potentially. You know, Josh Morby is getting his start, and of course, uh, oh, yeah. guy who's been playing down at Southland and uh, playing for the Canes as well. It is 10 away from three here on the rugby run. We'll wrap the show after this. Yeah, five minutes away from three o'clock, uh, just wrapping up the rugby run, Marshy. It's something that we have talked about a lot today. We talked about it with Aidan Quinlan. Uh, you've talked about it as well. We talked about it with Goldie about the uh, the makeup of the loose trio uh, and what that should be, given, you know, as Helen Quinlan said, we're, we're playing three sevens effectively. Um, if it was down to you, what would our loose trio look like for the third test? Tough question, Ricardo. Love finishing a show on an almost impossible question to answer, but I'll, I'll give it a go. Uh, That's why they pay you the so big bucks. It's, impo- it's impossible for me to answer because the players are not there. So what I'll do is I'll be a little bit cryptic and I'll say that my loose forward trio would be number eight, Cullen Grace, blindside Ethan Blackadder and open side Artie Savia. Big, strong back row with Artie Savia able to operate you know, in, in a capacity as a seven that would really cause problems for the opposition. What I think the All Blacks will select is Artie Savera at eight, Scott Barrett at six, and Sam Kane at seven. Mm. So, you know, like, uh, that's just my two cents worth. If uh, those players were a, either in the, were in the team or available and not injured, that's where I'd like to see us get to. Yeah, good stuff, Marshy. Uh, thanks for coming on again, and we'll be back next Sunday with another Rugby Run. This is SENZ. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.